Welcome to Current Radio's Sports Station. Please enjoy today's selection of sports news. So, Helena, we have a new record in the NFL, courtesy of Dallas Cowboys cornerback Duron Bland. He's been on fire, hasn't he? Absolutely, Stephen. Bland has been nothing short of spectacular. Just five days after tying the NFL single-season record for interception returns for a touchdown, he went ahead and broke it. And what a way to do it in a 45-10 demolition of the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving Day. That's one way to give thanks. Indeed, Stephen. And it's not just about breaking the record, it's about how he did it. He intercepted a pass from Washington's Sam Howell and ran 63 yards for the final score. It was a beautiful play. And don't forget the celebration. Bland ended up in one of the Salvation Army red kettles, surrounded by his teammates. It was such a wild party that coach Mike McCarthy had to call a timeout before the point-after attempt. Yes, that was quite a scene. But let's not forget the bigger picture here. Bland has more defensive touchdowns this season than any other team. He's truly making a mark. Right you are, Helena. And Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott can't sing his praises enough. He said, and I quote, Haluva player prepares, does everything the right way. And it's not just Prescott. Cowboys owner and general manager Jerry Jones also lauded Bland's performance. He said that Bland's run was a determined one and that it's one thing to intercept the ball and another to mentally expect to take it to the end zone. Well, Bland certainly has that mentality. And with several games left to play, who knows where he'll extend this record. Exactly, Stephen. It's going to be exciting to see where Bland's journey takes him next. From record-breaking NFL performances to off-field controversies, the world of American football never fails to keep us on our toes. As we switch gears, we now turn our attention to a saga involving a team owner that's been causing quite a stir. Stay tuned as we delve into the details of this unfolding drama. Helena, have you been keeping up with the Jim Ursi saga recently? Oh, you mean the Indianapolis Colts owner? He's been quite vocal about his 2014 DUI arrest, claiming it was wrong because he was not intoxicated. He's blaming his inability to walk a straight line on recent hip surgery, not any substance use. But the police did find pills in his car, which complicates the matter. And he's not too happy about how ESPN's first take covered his arrest. That's right, Stephen. He's even threatened to sue the program. He took to X, formerly Twitter, to voice his grievances. He called out Chris Mad Dog Russo for saying he had a lot of drugs in the car and $29,000. Ursay's response was quite colorful, wasn't it? It sure was. He claims there were no illegal substances or alcohol involved, and that carrying $29,000 is low for him. He also mentions he regularly gives away large sums to the homeless. But he didn't stop there. No, he didn't. He also lashed out at the woman who preceded Stephen A. on first take calling her mean and ugly and a nothing burger. And he's even gone as far as saying he was targeted for his arrest because he's a rich, white billionaire. A bold claim, indeed. He's adamant that if he were just the average guy down the block, he wouldn't have been pulled in. And he's sticking to his guns, saying he doesn't care what people think and that he knows the truth. He said he pleaded guilty just to get it over with. It's a messy situation, to say the least. Irsay's been owner of the Colts since 1995, and they've had quite the run, especially with Peyton Manning as their quarterback. But things have been rocky since Manning left and Andrew Luck retired. 
Absolutely, Stephen. It's been a roller coaster ride for the Colts, and it seems like the drama isn't slowing down anytime soon. Well, speaking of football, it seems like we're in for a thrilling week on the gridiron. As the drama off the field continues, the on-field action is about to heat up with the much-anticipated rivalry week. This year, the stakes are higher than ever, with teams vying for a spot in the conference championship games and potentially a shot at the college football playoff. So let's dive right into the heart of the action and see what's in store for us in the coming days. I hope you're ready for some football talk, Stephen. It's rivalry week, and there's a lot at stake for many teams. Oh, I'm ready, Helena. This is a pivotal week for determining who makes the conference championship games and potentially the college football playoff. Exactly. And next year, the playoff expands to 12 teams. So many rivalry games will take on a different meaning. But let's focus on this year's games first. Right. Let's start with Ohio State versus Michigan. This game carries a lot of weight, both regionally and nationally. The winner claims the Big Ten East Division title and likely secures a spot in the college football playoff. Indeed, and the stakes are high for Georgia as well. They're trying to become the first FBS team to win three straight national titles since Minnesota from 1934 to 1936. But they can't overlook Georgia Tech. And let's not forget about Washington. A loss to Washington State could end their college football playoff hopes. Plus, with the Huskies set to depart for the Big Ten next season, this rivalry game carries extra significance. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about some key positions to watch in these games. The quarterbacks for Ohio State and Michigan, for instance, are both under the spotlight. Definitely. And the defensive lines for Georgia and Georgia Tech will be put to the test. Georgia Tech has allowed the fewest sacks in the ACC, so Georgia's defense will need to step up. And let's not forget about the running backs in the Oregon State versus Oregon game. Damian Martinez and Bucky Irving are both having standout seasons. Absolutely. Now let's talk about some of the best quotes from this week. Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson had a great one about former player Sam Hartman, who transferred to Notre Dame. Yes, he said, you only dated him for a couple of months. It can't be love. We're the ones that love him. We had five years with him. You rented him for a season. That's a classic. And then there's Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian's response to Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark attending Friday's game against Texas Tech. He said, Whether the commissioner is rooting against our players to win or not, or whether we're in the SEC or the Big 12, at the end of the day, our players just want to play good football, and they just want to win. And let's not forget about Colorado coach Deion Sanders' hilarious confusion about Mount Rushmore. He thought it was in L.A. and called it the Hollywood thing. Yes, that was a classic. Now, let's talk about the conference championship scenarios. In the ACC, Louisville and Florida State have clinched spots in the championship game. And in the Big Ten, the Ohio State-Michigan winner will capture the Big Ten East title. Iowa has already clinched the Big Ten West. In the Big 12, Texas can clinch a spot with a win or losses by Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Kansas State. There are also scenarios for Oklahoma State and Oklahoma to clinch. And in the Pac-12, Washington has clinched the top seed in the conference championship game. Oregon can clinch a spot with a win against Oregon State or an Arizona loss. In the SEC, Georgia and Alabama have clinched spots in the championship game. 
In the American, SMU clinches a spot in the championship game with a win. And in the Mountain West, UNLV clinches a spot with a win against San Jose State. There are also scenarios for Air Force, Boise State, and San Jose State to clinch. It's going to be an exciting week of football, Helena. I can't wait to see how everything plays out. Neither can I, Stephen. Rivalry Week never disappoints. From the thrill of Rivalry Week in American college football, we now turn our attention to a more serious issue in the world of international football. Sadly, the beautiful game has been marred by an ugly incident after a recent World Cup qualifying match. Let's delve into this unfortunate occurrence and the response from the footballing community. Stephen, let's talk about the unfortunate incident that occurred after the World Cup qualifying match between Brazil and Argentina. Rodrigo, the Brazilian forward, has reported receiving racial insults on social media after the match. That's right, Helena. It's deeply unsettling to see this kind of behavior in the footballing world. The match itself was already marred by clashes between Brazilian police and Argentine fans, causing a delay of almost 30 minutes. And to add to the tension, Argentina scored a goal in the 63rd minute, marking Brazil's first-ever home loss in World Cup qualifying. This left Brazil in a precarious position in the CONMEBOL standings, sixth with just seven points from six games. There were also some heated exchanges on the pitch, weren't there? I believe TV images showed Rodrigo in a discussion with Argentina's Lionel Messi and Rodrigo de Paul. Yes, and following that, Rodrigo took to Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter, to share the racist insults he received after the game. He made a powerful statement, saying racists are always on duty and vowed not to stop. And he's received support from his Brazil and Real Madrid teammate, Vinicius Jr., who himself has been a target of racist abuse while playing for Real Madrid in La Liga. Vinicius echoed Rodrigo's sentiments with a tweet saying, We won't stop. Indeed, and Vinicius has been proactive in combating racism. Just this week, he launched an anti-racism campaign in Brazil, with messages appearing on billboards across the country. It's a strong statement against the racism that unfortunately still plagues football. Absolutely, Helena. It's a reminder that while football can bring people together, there's still a lot of work to be done to eliminate racism from the sport. 